When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now, Rodri. Is there anything that Lionel Messi is better than you at? It's opinion. I respect your opinion. Maybe in your opinion, Messi is better than me. But in my mind, I'm better than him. I do it again. Yes, guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to A's Podcast Nation. Welcome to Rodri Giggs on Football. Rodgers will be back over in a minute. Uh, he's had a, a bump in his car, mates and girls and boys. So um, he's just been delayed. He is coming, though. So um, we'll talk about some stuff until he's here. So if you've got any questions, please do get them in. Because um, I'm on my own, isn't it? So, like, uh, ask the questions and uh, I'll give you my honest opinions, as always. Um, lots to discuss. We know this. There's been a busy, busy week. The championship's been awesome. Premier League's been awesome. Every Cup was awesome on the weekend. Lots and lots going on. Lots and lots to discuss. Um, with regards to our Super 6 Prediction League, it's been a very interesting week. We've had two rounds since last week. Uh, Nicky Benson won the weekend round, only just beating Andy Campbell and Jeff Stelling with a close golden goal. And then Mike Flint won the midweek round. We're getting close to the end of the season now. So how is my battle with Rodders going? Uh, I scored 12 over the two rounds this week. Rodri managed 17. So although he's got a little bit closer this week, I'm still a nice whopping 23 points ahead. 
which means uh, I think I've got 3-4-2. He's got 3-1-9. Next round is Saturday at 3 o'clock. So be sure to get your predictions and whatnot in so that we can get it all sorted. See who's the best. I think uh, me and Rodri, we, we know that already. We know who's the greater. But um, please do get your questions in, uh, particularly in this first part of the show. We're going to talk... Um, I think we'll talk about the championships to start because I think Rodri is a bit more clued up on, on like the Premier League and stuff. He does watch the championship, but not as closely as he watches the championship. So I don't mind talking about Cardiff City because uh, they have to massive, uh, a soaring heights of 18th place at the moment uh, on 49 points. They've dragged Rotherham right down into it as well, um, which was a bit of karma, I think, let's be honest, because... Um, it was a bit of a farce a few weeks ago when that game was abandoned. But um, I said last week that I felt like Wigan, even though they were bottom of the league, were hitting some good form. And I actually thought that they might get out, out of that relegation battle. They've now won two on the bounce, um, which is so massive. They're up to 40. You've got Blackpool just above, but they did pick up a win. They're on 41. Red in 43 or in... Haven't won a game for five. Uh, Huddersfield haven't won in three. And then Rotherham, who haven't won in five, just lost to Cardiff as well. QPR finally got a victory. So they've only won one in four. Cardiff have picked up seven points in the last three games, which has taken them up to 18th. I think that's probably about as high as it goes. Um, and I think, in reality, Cardiff are probably safe now. They only need a point. But you got to get that point nice and early, take the pressure off. Um, and obviously, I think they play Huddersfield next, which I'll, I'll double-check that now, but I'm pretty sure that's the, the the next fixture, which obviously adds a bit of thing. Because if Cardiff can get a victory on a home to Huddersfield, not only does it make Cardiff City safe, but it also puts Huddersfield right in the in the in in trouble. Because if they lose to Cardiff and Reading or Blackpool, or even you know if Wigan were to pick up a victory, they'd be one point behind Huddersfield, like Huddersfield will be in real, real trouble, um, which is, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I believe earlier in the season, Huddersfield were really kind of looking well and truly safe. And they are now struggling. Um, listen, uh, Cardiff City in the last three games, in my opinion, have been fantastic. Uh, there's, I want to talk about the squad a little bit and what the club needs to do going forward. But what I will say first and foremost is, sorry, Kaba needs to not take penalties. Uh, I love him. He's my favourite Cardiff player, but he needs to not take penalties anymore. He's had a couple of goals. Um, luckily, you know, hasn't really cost us, but he's got to get off those penalties. Get If Joe Rawls is on the pitch, he's taken penalties before. There's people who can take them. He's had his chance, shall we say. But as a player, I am very, really hopeful that Sorry Kaber is there next year for Cardiff. And this is uh, this kind of takes me into what I want to discuss with Cardiff, is the thing is now, once we get to that point and safety is guaranteed, it's then up to the board. The board have to back. If, if, uh, if the manager is their guy, they've got to back him. They've got to find a way to, to give him money. They've got to find a way to allow him to get the players that he wants to build uh, his team. Because a lot of these players were players that were already there. So then it, they're not his guys. 
we have got to make some decisions to make. We've got to decide. We've got to make a choice of some of these young players. Uh, do they need to go? Do they need to go on loan? Or do we need to cut and just say, right, then, you know, maybe they're not good enough for what we're trying to achieve at this moment. It's it's harsh, but you've got to be harsh. Because one thing um, I was discussing with a friend of mine yesterday is if you keep being in a relegation battle season after season, eventually you will go down. Um, and you look at Everton now, last couple of seasons, they have got out in the last week or two of the season. And I think this season is probably going to be too much for them. I think the teams around them are slowly getting it together. They're not. They're getting worse. And I've got a feeling Everton might go down, which, you know, a club the size of Everton to get relegated is mental. But it is what it is. No one's got a divine right to stay up. And in my opinion, if Cardiff don't get it right this summer, there's a big chance that they will go down next year. They have to get it right. Um so decisions have got to be made. In my opinion, I think Ruben Corwell needs to go on loan for a season and he needs to go somewhere. They need to be very selective over where they send him. Whether it's... If that means he's got to drop down to League One, but he plays every week, that's okay. Preferably, maybe... I don't know. Yeah, maybe, you know, he's got... To, he's got to, the most important thing is he plays week in, week out. He needs to play first-team football. He's not getting that Cardiff at the moment. And... The danger is that if he just keeps playing a few minutes, a few, a few minutes here, a few minutes there, he's not benefiting the club. It's not benefiting him. And we want him to make it. He's clearly a talent. He's clearly, you know, what the Wales have got eyes on him. Cardiff rate him highly. So you've got to find a way for him to play. If he's not going to play for the first team in Cardiff, he's got to go out on loan. Cannot just keep giving him a few minutes here and there. Um, then you've got the fates of the likes of Mark Harris, Joel Bagan, uh, Tom Sang, Gavin White, Dylan Phillips, Kieran Evans. They've decisions to be made. Um, and this is where the board comes in because the board have got to decide, is Lamushi their guy? If he's their guy, then they have to back him. My worry is that at the back of their mind, they think that he's going to be gone by Christmas or January, which is why they just don't want to back it. And then you're just going round and round and round, making the same mistakes over and over again. We've got a f quite a few loan players. We've got some players out of contract. I like what Lamushi's done with Sol, Sol Bamba as well, alongside him. I think <clears throat> I really like um, a lot of people think like, or generally in football, like, the kind of five at the back is viewed as negative, but I actually think what it's done for Cardiff is it's set them up solid and it's actually benefited them going forward. I think Connor Wickham was a really good signing and I think he's helped get the best out of Sorry Cabba and probably uh, a few others as well. Um, so there's, there's so many positives since he's taken over generally, but Cardiff got some big decisions to make. They've got to back that manager. Um, Will they? That's another story, isn't it? That's another story. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to get Mehmet Dalman on again in the summer as, as well, so we can put some questions to him. Um, he tends to come on uh, each year in the break with us. Um, 
and he never shies away from questions. And I, I know like the last time he came on, people were moaning, but they moan afterwards. If you want to ask him a question, like it's all over social media that he's going to be on. He's on for like an hour and a half and you can ask anything. And as long as it's not offensive, I will ask him the question and he will answer it. And if he doesn't answer it, I'll press him a little bit. As long as it's not offensive and it's respectful, I'll put it to him. He's he's never asked me not to ask about anything. He's never asked me to, you know, she, she I gave him the option the first time he came on, if he wanted to do a pre-record or a live, I gave him the option to have the questions beforehand and he turned both down. And ever since we've always done it live and just people can ask what they want, as long as it's respectful. So if you're going to moan afterwards that he didn't ask this and didn't ask that, that's what it is, isn't it? But you can't moan if you don't ask the questions, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but look, that's not to say I think that he doesn't deserve criticism, because I think he does. I think they all do. I think Cardiff for the last probably four years, five years, has been absolutely shambolic the way it's been run in every every facet. Every decision they've made regarding managers, uh, in the transfer market, off the pitch, everything has been absolutely shambolic. It's shambolic that the board is the transfer committee is made up of people outside of the manager. No one really who's football based and football a football person. I think that's ridiculous. But that's another conversation for another day. Um, in regards to the top of the championship, um, I find it fascinating. Obviously, Sheffield United now guaranteed to uh, to get promoted. Congratulations to them. Looked like maybe Luton or Middlesbrough were going to chase them down for a bit, but they got it together. They've won four of the last five. A nice little run. So, um, yeah, good, good. Congratulations to them. I think them and Burnley have overall been the best two teams in the league. You know, even though Michael Carrick and Middlesbrough has done a tremendous job um, and Luton have been outstanding again. I think looking at the table, I think Luton and, and Middlesbrough are, are there in the, in the playoffs. I'd be very shocked if they were not to make it. Yeah, Luton are guaranteed anyway, by the looks of it, pretty much. Um, same as Middlesbrough. And then I think it comes down to who can pick up the results. You've got Millwall have lost three of the last four they played tonight. Um, Coventry unbeaten in five. Bad that Coventry are up there after the start they had. It's crazy. Um, so I kind of hope Coventry get there. Um, who else have we got? Sunderland. They haven't unbeaten in five again. Blackburn all of a sudden just fell off the edge of a cliff, drew four on the banks and then lost the last game. Looks like they're in hitting bad form at the wrong time. Um, and like with Cardiff, going back quickly to Cardiff, I think um, maybe it's time to accept that some of the younger players might not be good enough. Um, and if there's got to be a choice of are they good enough? Or are they just not good enough to start every week? And then if then if it's, they're not good enough, then unfortunately you've probably got to move them on. If they're not just not good enough to start every week, but they can contribute, then it's a case of right: would they be better playing week in, week out on loan, or can they be a good member of the squad for when we get injuries, when we need to change games? And I think there's. You've got to use that loan market. I know there's a few, there's a couple of really highly rated 
Premier League players who will be out on loan next year. We've got to be getting there early and get get those deals done before other teams come in. And you've got the teams coming down who've got more money, blah, blah, blah. So you've got to be, you've got to work your magic. You've got to use your, the manager's got to use his contacts and you've got to get these deals over the line nice and early. Be interesting. Interesting uh, end of the season. As far as the playoffs go, I think it's Luton, Middlesbrough, Coventry and Sunderland's. They would be my guess at the moment. Just I base them, a lot of that based on form. Yeah, Sunderland and Coventry are the two which are hitting form at the right time. Luton and Middlesbrough being the two with the the, the cushion. Um, and i got to say, like those four in the actual playoffs, it's going to be so tight. Like Luton have got the experience now over the last couple of seasons of being there or thereabouts. Will they then be able to finally get it over the line? I'd like to think so. I hope so for their sake. I like Luton. Um, Michael Carrick's done an awesome job. He's turned Middlesbrough around. He's changed the way they play. You wouldn't put it past him to carry on that and, and go and do it. Uh, Sunderland's straight up, straight up, straight up. If they manage it, can't fault them. But it's very, very difficult to do it. Um, but I guess we'll see how they... Uh, See how it goes, as it were. Um, we're going to talk about the Premier League with um, with uh, Rodders in a minute. So um, let's talk about the the FA Cup from the weekend. We had the two semi finals. First and foremost, you had Sheffield United versus uh, Man City. Look, I thought Sheffield United did a pretty good job of competing against what is, in my opinion, the best team in the world at the moment. Um, I don't buy into this thing of like they're the the greatest of all time, just like I didn't with Liverpool. I don't think that's it's so difficult to substantiate that and and kind of measure it. I I do think at, on form and at the moment and squad depth, nobody in the world competes with Man City at the moment in terms of what they can bring off the bench, the way they play, the tactics, everything like that. It's, it's all like a perfect storm. Um, so the Sheffield United game, I thought Sheffield United did okay. They conceded goals at terrible times. Like they conceded a penalty just before half time, And then, then you're thinking, right, if they can just keep it to 1-0 for as long as possible till the last 10 minutes and then have a real go. And then around about the hour mark, they conceded two more quick goals. And it's, you know, it's, once that second goal has gone in, it's all over. But look, Man City, their team is unreal. But no matter who plays, they play the same way. And what I find, what I found and have found fascinating over this season is they've changed the way they've played about three times over the season. And at the moment, they're in a, a period where they're actually they're going a bit more direct and they're playing up to Haaland's feet. And he's so strong, he's holding off players. And then Grealish and Mares or Grealish and De Bruyne are playing off him like a traditional old-school centre-forward. And then um, it's just... it's Haaland is a joy to watch and De Bruyne. Like, but Haaland, for me, I... I love watching him and he's a 
he's got a bit of shit outsery around him as well, which I like a lot. Um, but he's just a, an incredible player, an incredible finisher. He's strong, he's big, he's good in the air, he's quick. Like he is just one of them players who seems to have everything. Um, and you know he'll hit fifty goals. I think he's on forty nine in all competitions at the moment, which is an incredible, um, incredible stat. Um, but they've got like even when they so they rested a few players against Sheffield United, and you've got like they moved a Kanji to the middle, and they played Bernard, uh, Gomez and and Alvarez played off the left, and uh, Gudungun played on the right. Like they they've got the ability to just move people around. And still, they play the same way with the same quality, and I think that is so beneficial to any team that if you, no matter who you, which personnel you put in the positions, you're able to play the same way. It doesn't disrupt anything. It doesn't disrupt how the team plays. You look at um, the way United have capitulated against Spurs and Seville, and and a lot of that is down to when they make subs and they bring in those second string players everyone plays differently they can't keep up the same intensity the same quality and i think that goes for most teams like you know even even liverpool it begrudges me to say who struggled this year i think some of their problems have been around the fact that their reserve team players or their not reserve team their reserve players aren't able to keep up the same quality and intensity as the first choice players and they've got a problem with all their players kind of aging at the same time, which you could say is down to the, you know, the management of the club and blah, blah, blah. But ultimately it's a thing. Um, Brighton United played Sunday. I thought Brighton was outstanding. Um, I really thought uh, Casido, I can't believe Casido was 20. Like, and he's only not long turned 20. Like that is mental to me how good he is. For twenty for a twenty year old, I thought McAllister was pretty good, but I just, just Casido is just unreal. Um, and they'll, I would think that all of the top sort of the traditional top clubs in the Premier League will be after them. And Brighton have got a choice to make, really. Like, do they keep their their traditional model of they find these players, they then churn them, you know, they make a profit on them and then they find someone else and then they go again and they and they just, they do keep finding these players or do they say, no, we're keeping these players now and we're going to try and get in the Champions League. They've still got a good chance of getting there as well, although that um, result yesterday probably didn't help or Wednesday was it, um, didn't help, but, but ultimately they have got a choice to make. And the interesting thing with Brighton is, the law of probability, just just the law of averages, means that at some point these trans like they won't be able to find another gem. So they've done it time and time again, haven't they? And you know you've got to give them credit for that. But the law of averages says that at some point one of those one of the midfielders they bring in won't be as good as Cicido and McAllister and uh, Cucurella, who came before that, and the other players that came before that. So they're going to have a choice to make because I think, for instance, United are already sniffing around Evan Ferguson. They need a striker. You've got Arsenal tried to sign Casido. 
and we'll be back in for him. I wouldn't be surprised if United are back in for uh, would be in for him, Man City. And then you go outside the Premier League, there'll be clubs sniffing around. You've got um, Webster's good. You've got Solly March. You've got um, Matoma is probably before the semi-final was on form as probably one of the best wingers in European football on form. Um, and they've got to decide, do we just keep churning out the profit and bring, because they'll get big money for all three, like for, for Matoma, they'd get big money for him. They'd get big money for, they get huge money for Sosedo because he signed a new contract. They'd get big money for McAllister. Um, and same for Evan Ferguson. They'd get decent money because of his age and stuff. And because I'm not sure if he's a homegrown player as well. So they'd probably, you know, you're looking even more again. So like Brighton do have a decision to make. Um, and Deserby, what a manager. And like to me, if Arsenal don't win the league, which looks like they are bottling that completely, I think Deserby's got to be in with a shout of being manager of them. He's got to at least be in the conversation for manager of the year. And the reason I say that is Brighton were flying and they lost Pot, Graham Potter, their manager. They lost Cucurella and the coaching staff, I believe. So not only did they, they had to replace their manager, replace the uh, players, and they not only did that, but they got better. They changed the way they played. They became more intense. And the way they press is as good as anything in the league. The football they play is as good as anyone in the league. They have absolutely taken apart some of the biggest names in British football in the Premier League this season on multiple occasions. They took Liverpool apart twice in short succession. I thought they were the better side against United by not a massive way, but they were they were I thought they were clearly the more the better side. I thought United managed the game as opposed to Brighton played the game to win. United maybe had a bit more experience in terms of managing the game and, and the nerves and, and the occasion. Um so it'll be it's going to be super interesting how Brighton go about their their summer. And look, next year is going to be so so difficult in the Premier League because you've got Arsenal. They're going to spend money, they're going to be back in the Champions League. You've got Man City who can always well they always strengthen when they do well. So they're going to bring in a couple of players. Newcastle have a bottomless pit. If they get Champions League football, they're going to spend money big. United will spend money, especially if they get sold to Qatar, um, which we might find out over the weekend. That's going to be massive. You've got Spurs or Spurs. Villa have got one of the, in my opinion, one of the best man managers in the league. They're flying. If they can get a win against United on Sunday, Villa are in the top four conversation, like this year. Um the one advantage is United have got a few games, a couple of games in hand over their uh, rivals. So you'd think they'd be safe. But I mean, if Villa can get a win on Sunday, that does open it up. Brighton the same. Brighton have got three games in hand over Spurs in fifth and they're only five points behind. So, I mean, if they win those three games in hand, they're up to 58 points, which takes them within two points of United. But United obviously got two games as well. It is incredibly tight in that 
look, and Liverpool will not be as bad as they've been this year. Chelsea will not be as bad as they've been this year. West Ham, if they stay up, will not be as bad as they've been this year. Um, Leicester, Everton, if they can find a way to stay up, will not be as bad as they've been this year. So that this summer in the Premier League is going to be mad. And if Brighton sell like the spine of or the, the, the spine of that midfield, because they stick to this model of finding a bargain, letting them make a name for themselves and then selling them for big money, that will eventually not work. It just it just it's just probability and averages it'll eventually they'll find it like they'll get a dud or someone who doesn't quite come off or or doesn't fit the system. It's just the law of averages, it's just the way it goes. Um let's look at the relegation zone in the Premier League. Um a great point by Will there. He says, um, until Manchester City win the Champions League, they cannot be com- even considered in the conversation for the greatest team ever, even with all their recent domestic success. So let me put a question to you, Will, and everyone else. Um, I saw Jamie Carragher um, kind of saying this week that um, kind of Pep, uh, who was it, Arrigo Saki, um, and a couple of other managers will always be rated higher than Alex Ferguson because they... Um, basically have changed the way football is viewed, the trophies they've won, but also they've changed the way football is played from grassroots level up to professional. Now, to me, I think that's bullshit. And I'll, uh, the reason I do, I agree with Gary and what Gary Neville said was that um, Fergie changed the way squads were managed. He, 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 what other manager went and played, had four strikers who he rotated through to play FA Cup games and, and League Cup games. He he was also the first manager to try like a 4-3-3 formation in Europe. It didn't work. And actually, Mourinho was probably the one who made it work the best in the Premier League. But Fergie tried it. And I think, I just don't think you can compare the two. Uh, and Man City, like they're not the greatest team that's ever been. They are the best team in the world at the moment. But they are not the greatest. And uh, the man himself is here. How are you, my friend? You good? Yeah, mate. You right? Yes, buddy. Is your motor okay? Ah, uh, it's the shock of it, you know. Yeah. It was like you know, because you're just like driving down the road, and you don't expect someone to stop in the middle of the road to let someone out of the giveaway when there's no one in front of them. But he did, and I stopped. Um, but the guy behind me didn't. Straight into the back of me. My back's, a bit, my back's a bit. Oh, now you know it was before. It was, I was fine, but now I think. But his vans was dinted, and my boots dinted, and he smashed my light. Uh, my bumpers knackered, so. Yeah, got it. I had to get it sorted, mate. It's uh, no, no one's sweet. Yeah, that's the main thing, mate. That's the main thing. Um, so. Um, I've touched on, I've talked about the FA Cup semi-finals. I've talked about the championship and Cardiff. I want to ask you very quickly about um, the United obviously played in, against Brighton. I, I was just talking about Brighton. Brighton have got a decision to make in the summer, mate, haven't they? Whether they stick to this, um, the, their kind of the way they go about things, where they find a gem, he plays for him, he builds a reputation, and then they sell him on for big money. Because this summer... 
the Premier League is going to be mental because Liverpool and Chelsea are not going to be as bad as they were. West Ham are not going to be as bad as they were. You know, if Leicester, Everton, they stay up, they're not going to be as bad as they were. Newcastle, if they get Championship League football, they could, could spend an absolute fortune. Arsenal are going to spend money. Man City will strengthen, even though they've been, you know, they're going to be successful. United are going to strengthen. So all of a sudden, it's going to be very, very difficult next year. And it'll be made even more difficult if Brighton sell Sacido, McAllister, Evan Ferguson. Like, eventually, the law of averages states that one of these players, like midfield replacements that they keep signing and finding, one of them will eventually fail. Yeah, but just to just to start off with, I am not Cardiff City chairman, but um, no, sorry, mate, I'll change that now. I must. I, uh, <laughs> um, uh, and that's the model at the minute. It's working. Um, we've got good recruitment. Casac Casado, he's not going to be there next year. I know that for sure. But he's so, going to go for massive money, mate, because they turned yeah, down forty for him. Give him a new contract as well, haven't they? Yeah. So they're not daft. So yeah, you'd expect him to go for 70, 80 million. It's crazy. Yeah, at least, mate, at least he'll go for that. Will says, get a neck neck brace on and use this video to get your claim in. Glad you're all right though. <laughs> yeah, I said to the guy, you know, I'm 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 not injured or anything, blah blah blah. And then I've got laid down before, I was like, oh my back. <laughs> Just it, takes, like, it takes time, mate, sometimes to like because you've got the shock and the adrenaline and stuff. And like, but yeah, uh, no, sweet. Were you impressed with Brighton on Sunday, mate? The way they played United, I, I just said I thought Brighton were the better team, but I thought United managed the occasion better, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, perfectly put. But you know, they still didn't lose really, they, you know, they lost on penalties, and yeah, there were some good penalties, you know, my just, just looked. You know, take the kids all the time, just lean back and, you know, that's what happens. Uh, but, you know, I felt sorry for him because he, he had a good game in and uh, it's a shame it always ends ends like that because yeah. it, it, was, it, was, it, was it was a decent game. Um, but Brighton did play their part and good experience for him. See how they go on from there. Yeah, I hope they can push on, mate. And I, they've got a good shout with getting fifth, maybe even Champions League football still because they've got Three games in hand. If they were to win them, they're right up to like two points behind United as it stands. But United have obviously got a couple of games. They could, but they would go ahead of Spurs in fifth. So I mean, they've got plenty to play for. Villa got plenty to play for. They both hit form at the, you know, the right time of the season. We've got games Saturday. We play Villa Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, I mean Villa. Like I think Emery is one of the best managers in Europe in the Premier League. I do. I think he's yeah. a phenomenal manager. Um, I thought he should have got more time at Arsenal, but. That's another story. We'll talk about Arsenal in a in a just a sec, mate. Um, I'll go on. We'll talk about Arsenal first because I want to talk about United and the Glazers and everything kind of all in one. The one thing I am just before Arsenal, uh, the one thing which impresses me about Man City at the moment is that because they've got such depth in their squad, whoever they bring in, whoever they move players around to different positions, they bring in their reserves, whoever whoever plays they still play the same way, which means that it doesn't unsettle the team. Whereas you look at United, they, as soon as they bring on the subs and the second string, they all go to pieces because they can't play the same intensity and the same quality that they play when they've got Ericsson, Bruno 
and Casemiro together in the middle. They can't play with the same quality when they've got Rashford through the middle and Sancho on the left and the rest of it. Um, that's, why and I, go on, well, that's why he's been punching above his weight and doing pretty yeah. good with, with probably the same players. Yes, he's, he's got three or four new additions, but it's still them same players and that's the, the same players that we need to get rid of. They've run him into the ground, mate, as well. That that first yeah, well, 12... No, I, I, I can't believe how totally wrong I was at the start of the scenes. Because that Malasia, oh my God. But, so, bad. Right, very quickly, because I, I want to talk about Arsenal-Man City first. But with Malasia, he's a young player. And I think the first half of the season, he showed enough that there's a player in there. And maybe where he hasn't played as regularly since Shaw's been outstanding... Maybe he's just finding it a bit difficult to find a pace. Positionally, mind you, he's been awful in the Seville first leg and the Tottenham game last night. And he's cost United points, unfortunately. But he is a young player. And I think he's shown enough that maybe you stick with him as a backup for now. Fred, I will say. Fred as well. Oh, my. Fred's got to go, mate. Um, like, and I said to you oh a few weeks God. ago that. I don't think he passed to a red shirt. No. Do you know, the only reason I think McTominay goes before him is because they get so much more money for McTominay because he's a homegrown player. I actually think if that wasn't the case, because if they sell McTominay, it helps them with financial fair play, whereas if they sell Fred, it doesn't. So, like, that's the only reason. I think otherwise they'd keep McTominay over Fred. But anyway, um, we'll go back to United in a minute because there's a bit more to talk about with them. Arsenal-Man City game was in midweek. What a performance by Manchester City, first and foremost, before I get onto Arsenal. I thought Manchester City, you could tell within minutes, they were there to make a point. They were there to to really kind of stamp their authority on the game. Um, well, you said Arsenal were going to win the league. And I said, no, no, mate, I said Arsenal were going to bottle it. No, I've been no. saying that since the start of the season. Um, I did start to get a bit nervous and I was thinking, well, maybe they're not going to, but like... So, I know you slightly disagree with me in that I think they've bottled it. You think, from what I can gather the other day, that maybe that, you know, they're a young team. They've probably overachieved a little bit. But, like, where they were, the position they were in, the form they were in, it should not be in Manchester City's hands now. Like, the last four when we games, about Remember when we talked about the Liverpool game? This is the one, the game, that they win this, and this is the, that's the test. And they were 2-0 up. And if they, they win them. that one, they go on. So yeah. I think that to, to have gone a bit of a roll, but that was the key there. They went 2-0 up, drawn back to 2-all, and it started from that. So what was it? They were they were 2-0 up against Liverpool, weren't it? Um, they were 2-0 up against West Ham, was it? Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, so that's right. Yeah, so they were 2 0 up against Liverpool, drew 2 all. They were 2 0 up against West Ham, drew 2 all. Then they were 2 0 down against Southampton and got it back to 3 all. Great, you know, good performance, but it's they were bottom, you know, Southampton bottom of the league should have been beating them. And then Man City, it was men against boys, mate, on, on uh, Wednesday or Tuesday. Like, it really was men against boys. Like, they just absolutely decimated them. And if they'd taken... If it wasn't for Ramsdale, it would have been about 5-6-0 at halftime because they had so many clear-cut chances. I think he kept Haaland out a few times in the, in the first half. 
they cleared one off the line. Like on another day, they go in and it's it's embarrassing. Like four one is a heavy defeat, and it was like this was billed as the title decider. You know all the rest of it. You had Arsenal fans, people like Martin Keown saying, you know these boys are winners. They're not winners. They haven't won anything, and they're not winners yet. Have they overachieved? Yes. Have they had a great season? Yes. Did we expect them to be where they are? No. I I accept all that. Unfortunately for Arsenal, like when you're talking about it on a podcast and things like this, I think the thing which puts people off is their uh, like Arsenal fan TV and stuff like that kind of rubs people the wrong way. They get so ex- they they get so excited about the highs, and they go so low about the lows, but. Talk to me about Kevin De Bruyne, mate. He's a special, special player. I know you don't like to talk about Man City players, but as a, a football fan, he is something to behold, isn't he? Yeah, he's an unbelievable player. That first goal, um, just the way he passes, the way he crosses the ball. Um, yeah, by far the best midfielder in the league. Is he in the same stratosphere as... Messi, Ronaldo, etc. Over the no. last say three no. or four years, no. Sadly, so scored forty goals a season for like fifteen Probably years. Is. Okay, next question. Erling Haaland has scored forty-nine goals in all competition. Is he in the same bracket as them two? Again, they did it for ten to fifteen years. Okay, he's so done he it needs- for one. He's done it for one year. Let's see next year how the. the People, no, because people look at it in the summer, in the preseason. But people aren't just twiddling their thumbs. They look yeah. at other teams and look at the dangers and look at the and how do we deal with him? How do we deal with this this guy? Um, um, if he scores the same amount or next year or forty plus, then you can start putting him in the bracket. But at the minute, he's 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 well on track. Do you think Arsenal played in because Messi and Ronaldo? didn't do that at such a young age. Yeah, it took him a while to get going, didn't it? Yeah. So, do you think Arsenal and Arteta played into Manchester City's hands? I do. They just didn't play well. Like, the goal... Man City are on an absolute roll at the minute. Yeah. Oh, of course, and they've got the experience. They're used to churning out these performances. This is where you've got a time. Yeah, this is where you've got to mix up. Try a long ball. Well, try, 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 a, try something different. But this you is know, where I think... Go on. Yeah, no. no but, but, you know, they did it and they scored from it. Boom, long ball, Haaland, touch, De Bruyne, boom, boom, goal. And this is what I was going to say. I thought Arsenal were a little bit naive. They let City sucker them in for that goal. Like, City purposely took it into the corner from, uh, I think it was a goal kick. Or it might have been a free kick, but they kind of purposely took it into the corner to almost sucker Arsenal into, like, thinking, oh, we've got him here, we're going to press and win the ball. And then it was just bump, one ball, Haaland completely just turns, um, holding, you know, too strong for him. And he's away. And it's a great finish and the rest of it. But I thought, look, I would say Arsenal probably need a backup for Saliba. Because without him, they do not look the same at the back. Like they don't have the same organisation. Not the only ones, man. There's a few teams in the league when they lose their main centre back, they struggle a little bit more. But it's up to the manager to address that now, isn't it? Yeah. 
hundred percent. Um, but you no, know, it's still still a long way to go. But you know, if you look at the fixtures and you look how City are playing, you know this is the you know, it's Championship round time. And uh, worried City about the travel, done it, got the t-shirt the last two years. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're worried about the treble because I think as it stands. The way United seem to be crumbling whenever they make a sub. If they win the Champions League, then they win the treble, yeah. Because I think they United United can't play the same eleven players constantly, and that then, as soon as they make a change, they struggle. Yeah. And the thing I saw, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been one of the idiots off Talk Sports saying, "Oh, Real Madrid, you know, Benzema is getting old and this." And he was trying to make out that Real Madrid have got this really old team. And I was like, mate, Kavinga's 20 and he's won everything. And it's like... Vinicius. Yeah, Vinicius. What, 19, 20? Something like that. Even Asensio, who comes off the bench, is what, 27 or something? Yeah, it's just like, a bit of blues, isn't it? I do think, however... When we won the treble, we won a team with Fat Ronaldo in it. The other, the other in the semi-finals, a team with Del Piero... Zidane, yeah, Inzaghi, Edgar Davids. So these are top, top, top teams. You know, Modric, is he on Zidane's level? <laughs> no. So, and then Ronaldo. We played top teams. They've played some some, some good, mind you, that Bayern Munich team is a very good team. They just didn't perform on, on the well, two nights. I think there was also something to the fact they sacked their manager like two weeks before that tie, didn't yeah. they? Which was well, talking um, about such a weird one. They had stalwart players, these these marquee players in, in who were playing against that like Juventus team in, in 98, 99. It was it was a they were the team to beat. Yeah, and so I'm trying to I'm I'm gonna I wanna quickly have a look at the Madrid side. They've been linked heavily with Jude Bellingham, by the way, this week. Harry Redknapp did um, Beyond the Pitch podcast with Phil, and um, he said he's heard from someone close to Bellingham that he wants Madrid move. Whether you know, I don't know whether it'll come off and that, but I could see that. I could see the the logic behind it from both sides. If I was in that would be that be my move. Yeah, I don't want, I don't want no part of the Premier League. Well, I don't know. I, that's that's a lie, but I would I would because I would end up at the Premier League. So, but I would go to Spain, go to play on the Real Madrid. There, you you know, it's 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 up for grabs every every year, everything, and you're playing and you're playing at the Bernabeu for Real Madrid, and you'd be the number one guy, centre midfielder, and you could be there for like five ten years. You know, what, eighteen, nineteen? It's mental, no. Yeah, so come back in what they say back in the day that your prime was 28, 29. So he comes back to the Premier League in his prime with a big, massive contract after earning 100 odd million at the Real Madrid. I mean, that, that have you ever been to the Bernabeu, mate? No, I haven't. No, I've been oh. to no, I've been to the Barcelona Stadium. I haven't been to the, the Bernabeu, someplace. Been there, been there three times. It's someplace. The noise of it, it's proper like an old concrete. You know, it reminds me of when I've seen it. The old Arms Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. It's, Just with the stones. We remember sat outside, me and my mate, for the first time. We remember sat outside the park and we're looking at it. 
and we just go in, can you believe we're outside the bed about <clears throat> well, I can't remember how old we were can you believe it okay. and we just stood there like sat there just looking at it for about five ten minutes mm. <clears throat> it was mint it's interesting when Madrid they rested quite a few players in the week they rested Kavinga they rested uh, the right back Vesquez they rested uh, Chuamini Chua um, so they rested a few players but they lost but their league is kind of gone for them, I think. I think Barcelona have kind of got it sewn up. So they're going to focus all their attention on... Makes sense, doesn't it? All the attention on that Man City game. They're going to roll these over. Not to roll it over. They've got it in the favour because the last game is at home. But, you know, you don't want to go to Real, uh, go home without a positive result. Because Real Madrid, they're no mugs. They could catch Madrid. up. Really. All it takes is a mad five minutes and it could be two or three nil down. And then you're up against it, whoever yeah, you are. Um, Madrid's like rotation, rotated midfield was that Valverde, Cruz, and Modric. So I mean, that tells you all you need to know about the strength and depth they've got. They had Rodrigo through the middle, who's been quality this year. You got that Vinicius, who gave Kyle Walker yeah. a torrid time last year. Uh, Asensio, and obviously they've got Benzema and and the rest of them. Um, so I, I'm interested by their defence because you've got, obviously, Haaland is the guy at the moment. They've got Mil, Mil, uh, Militao, as they pronounced, and Rudiger as the centre-backs. Both good athletes. I was never convinced by Rudiger in the Premier League, but every time I've seen him play for Madrid, he's been... Oh, yeah, he's one, one of them defenders that I would hate to play against because he's just all over you. Just all over you. Just constantly all over you. But do you think Haaland likes that? Ball, or when they've got the ball, I'd rather he have it and then I know we're going to get it back. Mm. But defending, yeah, he's one of them, he's like a rash all over you. But do you think for a striker like Haaland, he wants that touch type defender so he can yeah, roll? You can't, you, can't, you can't do that with him because he's too big. He'll just, just get hold you, won't he? Yeah, get off. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be fascinating, mate. Do you think Man City win over two two legs, or do you think they'll slip up? Um, mm, my heart says, <laughs> "Please God, Real Madrid." Real Madrid will win. My head says City will probably do it this year. You know, it's I remember United when they first got into Europe. It took them four or five years. I've talk, touched on this before uh, last week that they got beat. We got beat off a brush of Dortmund with a Paul Lambert in the midfield <laughs> at a semi-final. So, and then a Bayer Leverkusen with a Berbatov up front the, the year after or the year before. Apparently. And then, but they were getting closer and closer and closer. And then, nineteen ninety-one. Yeah. I think City are on the right track, and this is probably their best year. I think this is their absolute best chance. Because if they can beat if they can beat Madrid over two legs with the home leg, the second leg, the form they're in, Haaland scoring goals, if they can get past Madrid, you'd fancy them to beat either Milan side in a one-off game, I think. So this is their chance because, like we mentioned earlier, everybody's going to be stronger next year. So yeah, it's going to be a fascinating one, mate. Really fascinating. Um, so I've saved. United to last few mates for a few reasons. Um, obviously, today is the deadline for the Glazers. Um, 
I don't know. I can't even remember if we've discussed what your preference is in regards to Sir Jim Radcliffe or the Qatari bid. But there was a big story this week that basically Jim Radcliffe has said to the Glazers that he'll buy 51% and then he'll allow them to keep 20% and keep them on board. This is obviously absolutely enraged United fans because they feel like he's kind of sold them down the river a bit. He gave it the big, I'm Manchester born, I'm Manchester bred, blah, blah, blah. And then it looks like he's going to saddle them with more, you know, with debt, even though it's going to be through a separate company and he's going to keep the Glazers on board. I like, were you surprised to see that story? Who's that? That was Jim Ratcliffe, uh, Ratcliffe, yeah. Yeah, that's that's not going to go down well. Well, mate, do you know, I wonder whether they might try and keep this deadline bid thing, which is today, quiet, because you've got the protest at the Villa game on Saturday. And if it comes out, say, that, say he has, has been successful with that as his plan, and that, you know, he's going to win the bid and he's going to take over, but he's going to keep the Glazers, that protest is going to go up another 10 notches. Like, it's already going to be quite vitriolic. If you add in the fact that he's keeping the Glazers around, it could get nasty, mate. So, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think there's no such thing as a perfect owner. There's just not. There's always going to be something. And also, these billionaires who can afford to buy the club, the si- a club the size of Manchester United or or Liverpool or Chelsea, right? People who've got that much money, they're not going to be morally. There's always going to be something around them, whether it's like whatever it may be. It's there's always going to be something around those people. Someone's going to not agree with something. Um, I see a lot of people on like social media and podcasts and stuff saying. They'd prefer the Qatar bid, not because of they necessarily want to be owned by the Qataris, but because they're debt-free and they're going to pay off all the debt. And I think I see a lot of football fans from other football clubs saying, oh, I don't know what United fans are moaning about. The Glazers have spent, you know, you've spent X amount of money on transfers over the last few years. But it's not about that. It's about the amount of money that they take out year after year. It's like United are in so much debt. And yes, they're invested, but they're not investing in the infrastructure. Look yeah. at what's going on over the city. Our training ground is a joke. The pitch, the ground. Stadium's falling apart, mate. It's a joke. The infrastructure, people, infrastructure to go on to be better. I mean, up to look at Tottenham now. Tottenham have got up to date stadium and the training ground is like up to date as well where the players have got their own rooms if they want to stay there i mean that uh, that's how up to date it is i think jose marino was actually living there when he was manager there that's how good it was so and uh united have been the same one for i don't know how long they've been in as long as i can remember anyway so and it's in the, the, the middle of nowhere they've got ground all around old trafford could have, could have done that years ago instead Every year, 15, 20 million or whatever it is, taken out of the club and put in their coffers. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's I think it's disgraceful that it's any any owner can can do that to any football club. I, I really do. 
I and think they took a debt out of 560 odd million. I think the debt now, today, 20 odd years later, is 580 million or something. Yeah, and when you add in money that they owe for transfers and stuff like that, it is a billion that they owe in debt. And like, no football club should be a billion in debt. Like, I understand that football clubs at the highest level, they're going to have some sort of debt and credit and stuff. But like, I don't think that any club should be put in that position whereby it's just like, unless you can get like a Qatar to come in, pay off that debt, pay off another couple of billion on transfers and a couple of billion on the stadium and stuff like that. Like realistically, there isn't that many billionaires who are going to do that. So like, what are we saying that, you know, football clubs just like, it frustrates me, mate. Um, on the pitch, some good news for you, for you is that uh, Garnasha was signed a new new five-year deal, uh, officially announced today. I think that is probably a weight off your mind, just in terms of he'd had a lot of people sniffing around him, taking a bit of time to go, you know, to get done. Um, unfortunately, Garnasha is going to be back anytime soon, and it looks like he's going straight to the under-20 World Cup. Where do you stand on that? Do you think he should go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good experience. Yeah, and I think he hasn't made his like his first team debut as he from for Argentina. So it's no. not like he's a like they're sort of wiggling the system. He's on the cuffs of the World Cup, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he would have I think he was yeah, he was like nearly. Um few comments on the finances of football. Gav Randall says most owners are in it for the money, not passion, hundred percent. Uh, Will says football finances need to be properly regulated like banks are today. It's basically just a money laundering at the highest level. Um, and Gavin says no club uh, should be in debt. You've got the money to buy it. Surely you should stay out of debt. But it just seems like all clubs just do it. I I don't know. It, it's, it's difficult. But like it's, maybe that's right. Maybe no club should be in debt. Maybe it's, but then is that too idealistic to say that you say you know, that you can say no no person should be in debt but everyone's got a mortgage so yeah no, but it that. should always be manageable shouldn't it yeah and if exactly. it's regulated yeah, exactly it shouldn't be 20 years on and the debt that you took on to take the club is higher yeah yeah of course it should no, be lower, that yeah you're taking rinsing 20 30 million every year yeah and i mean make no mistake the only reason why the Glazers are selling now is because of COVID. They cannot take the money out anymore. That's the only reason they're selling. They're not selling because the fans have protests. And they didn't give a shit about that. They don't care about that. They're in America. They don't give two shits about that. What The, the reason they are selling is because they can no longer, the club can no longer afford to pay them dividends of 20, 30 million, whatever it is per year, whatever they were taking out. They can't afford to do it anymore because of COVID and the profits of Whereas United always used to be like profit was a you know massive, wasn't it? Whereas the profit and the losses have come so so much more closer together, they can't afford to do it. And that's the only reason they're selling. It'll be interesting how that develops, mate. Um listen, uh United played Tottenham last night. I thought first half United were spot on. I thought they were Christian Eriksen was quality, I thought Fernandez was good, I thought Jaden Sancho was quality. Um but they just 
after half time, they just looked like in their heads, they thought the job was done. Um, the subs harmed them. I thought taking Aaron Wambasaka off was a weird one because he defensively is better than Dallow is, and Dallow was out of position for the Son goal. Malassia came on, and then he was out of position for the uh, the. I think that was the Son goal as well. It's <clears throat> it's a weird one. They the the and it show. I think it shows like you said earlier. Ten Hag has worked wonders with a pretty much the same squad that has failed for. I think I said last year, last week actually. It's the same players who've thrown numerous managers under the bus. It is when you bring those players in that the team struggles. They can't keep up the same quality and intensity. Um, before we talk about the negatives, I thought Luke Shaw and Jaden Sancho were absolutely excellent for the whole time they were on the football pitch. Um, I thought Lindelof was pretty good. I thought Wambasaka was good. I thought De Gea was good until they made the subs and then he looked a bit shaky. But apart from that, I thought he was decent. Rashford looked better than he has done since he's come back from injury. So there was some positives, but I think it does show that Ten Hag is, is overachieving with the players he's got. But he's, you know, if he gets, if they back him in the summer, I don't think it. you need like 10 players. I think you need to move three, four, five out and get the same in, but better quality or players he wants. And I think that'll be a good, good start. No, like I say before, we touched on before, punching above the weight, he's done better than, you know, a month ago, he was going for all four, four cups. Yes, we're not, not going to win two of them, but we're in the conversation. And, and that was, you know, last this time last year, it was shocking. Mm. It's all doom and gloom. So, we're on the yeah, right track. Pretty- I couldn't have a cup final to look for look forward to against City, which will be tough. But you know, it's something to look forward to. And we've got what four or five games left to see that's out the season and secure that fourth spot. If if United don't make top four, I think it would be a shock and it would be a big, big capitulation because they got a couple of games in hand. Pretty much I think if they beat Villa on Sunday, that's top four done. Yeah, but if they'd won yesterday, I think it was conceivable that them and Newcastle could both catch Arsenal if Arsenal's form continues to falter and get second. So from that point of view, it's disappointing. It's like, look, Spurs are a top six whatever side. So a draw beforehand wasn't the worst result. But when you are 2-0 up and cruising, could have been 3-4, to then make those errors, I think that's where the problem lies, isn't it? And that's where it's a bad result. Um, quick question for you, mate. Harry yeah. Kane was playing effectively in midfield second half. One of the reasons why I said to you, I don't necessarily think that he's the best pick for United is because he drops too deep and that's not what they need. Were you surprised at how deep he was? Because he did change the game, like ultimately. No, he's obviously experienced enough now to 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 affect the game when when he needs to, and that's what he needed to affect the game. So he's got to drop 
drop deeper to get on, on the ball more, try and affect the game, which he did. Yeah. It's um, actually, I think Ryan Mason, the manager, was quite clever. He told Dyer to push into midfield and he told Kane to drop into midfield, which meant now they're they outnumbered United, whereas United had had control in the first half and they were playing at will. So I thought that was quite clever from Ryan Mason. We haven't, and, we haven't had a chance from Bruno that could finish it off. That yeah, if he takes that, it's it's all over, isn't it? Because mm. they it would have been three one. They would have been deflated. And, burst the bubble, yeah, and then we would have seen it out. Um, uh, I also shout out to Nico Williams, whose season is over. Uh, he broke his jaw last night, um, clashing with his own player, I think. Um, yeah, but um, was it Brennan Johnson? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Um, let's talk about Newcastle, mate, quickly before we finish up. Um, absolutely on fire. Um, I said to you at the start of the season, did you think they could get Champions League this early on, like as in this season? You said it might take a bit of time. Eddie Howe's doing a tremendous job, and he like he's exceeding where they are, where I think they would have planned to be now. Oh yeah, the, no, the, again, they're punching above the weight as well and done fantastically well because everyone would thought, oh, here comes the cash, splash the cash, blah, blah, blah. but no, they've been pragmatic and they've not rushed into anything, and they seem to have a clear plan. And players need know what they're doing, um, and they've got good quality as well sprinkled around there. So, yeah, that, um, Alexander Isak has been a phenomenal signing, and um, yeah, sixty million though—it's a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but I think you know he's 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 worth it. Yeah, yeah, he's backed it up absolutely. Um, and you've got Callum Wilson, you've got that Bruno, you've obviously got Trippier, back forward, a, a, a fantastic Pope's doing well. Yeah, so, Nick Pope's a good goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, they've got a good basis now to go and push uh, on. Um, uh, yes, they've got some uh, maximum can show up, so they've got some good players. I heard a rumour about Newcastle today. Um, so when the Saudis took over, um, they wanted to move Newcastle's training ground to Manchester because of the the temperature and the you know everything to do with Newcastle. Obviously, it got a bit of pushback from fans. Yeah. Uh, so they put it on the back burner. But apparently, it's still, you know, still on the cards in the background. Basically, the, the plan would be move the training ground to Manchester, which is a bit more hospitable in terms of sign-ins and stuff like that. And then they just fly out to, so the players could live in the Manchester and Cheshire and stuff. And then they just fly out to Newcastle for the games. Um. I don't think fans will like it, but ultimately, when you think of that, I don't think it makes that much difference because fans don't go to the training games, so like to training, so like they're still, they're not moving the football club from Newcastle. Like the games are still going to be in St James's Park. It's just that they feel to sign the very best players with the money they've got, and if they get Champions League football, that they may it may be beneficial. To be say to those players, you know, you can live where all the Liverpool players live, and all the because they all live around Cheshire, don't they? And like Liverpool, a lot of Liverpool players live sort of by Manchester and that. So, could you see that happening? It, it, nothing would surprise you, but it'd be be a weird one, especially in Newcastle, how they are with it with a team, and and you know, 
Um, they were no, it's not being it playing for like teams like Newcastle. Yeah, no, you, people see you around the city, and you know, I just don't see it. Don't see it. Mm. What about um, Aston Villa, mate? It's a good idea, though, because I understand what you're saying. The winter months, the cold, it's freezing up there. I mean, it's freezing. I know it's not so great up here, but it's not as cold up there. It's freezing. Every time I've gone up there, I've got frostbite. It's minging. And I think, as well, mate, is if they lose out on a couple of players because of the where Newcastle is logistically, they will do it. It's amazing, isn't it? Back in the day, it was all oh, not coming to Manchester, live, live in London, but now everyone's to live in Cheshire. Yeah. Well, well the ponces. <laughs> so, um, last thing, Villa, mate. Um, have you been surprised oh. by the job that Emery has done there? Who? Uh, Unai Emery at Villa. Oh, mate, he's a good manager. Touched on this before. He's a good manager. You know, he's won, he's won the Europa League oh. several. Quiet. In the Europa League several times. Um, so, yeah, he's a good manager, mate. Very good manager. So Any he's chance managed, Villa? He's managed in the Premier League before with Arsenal, he's got experience there. So, yeah, he's a very good manager. Any chance Villa nick Manchester United's Champions League spot? No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. No. Six-point gap. United, I've got two games in hand, so I think so that's where well, well, it's 12 points. No, if they win the games in hand, and no. obviously they play Villa Sunday as well. Got more chance of City, Cardiff City, uh, fighting for the title next year. That's that's if they survive this year, mate. I'd agree with that. Um, no, they only need a point now. You missed the start uh, of the show, didn't you? you Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Um, little quick question, mate. Couple of questions. Everton, they're in big trouble, mate. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I said at the start of the show, um, I talked about Look Cardiff. I, I, as well. Yeah, well, I talked at Cardiff. I talked Cardiff at the start of the show, and what I said is Cardiff need a point to to be safe. And I said as soon as they get that point, the board have got to say right. If this is our manager, this is our guy, and they've got to back him. They've got to make decisions on the loans, the young players, blah, blah, blah. But they've got to do it early and they've got to get it done. Because if you keep flirting with relegation, eventually it catches up with you. And I used Everton as an example. Everton have escaped relegation on the last week or two of the season, the last two seasons. I don't think they're going to survive this year because I look at it. Forest are finding a bit of form. Leeds have kind of capable of getting results. West Ham have found form. Bournemouth found form. Wolves, Palace. It's really, to me, it's Leicester, Everton, Southampton and probably Leeds, maybe Forest at a push, who are kind of in that mix. And I look at the form and Southampton and Everton, their form compared to everyone else's is way worse. And I thought Everton against Newcastle looked mentally shot. They looked like a team who were like, shit, we're going down this year. As opposed to the last couple of seasons, they've got into these final few games fighting and, you know, that like, you know, like that attitude you get where teams at the bottom are towards the end of the league, the end of the season, they just look like 
they're going to find a way to get a result or an equaliser or they just don't yeah. seem to have that. And I'm surprised because I thought Sean Dyche would be the guy who would get that from them. But they got problems, mate, big problems. Yeah, and, and deep, deep doo-doo. So at the moment, you've got Tottenham fans protesting Levy, Everton fans protesting Kenwright, United fans protesting the Glazers. Uh, anyone else? I'm sure there's another one as well. All these chairmen, mate, under pressure. Mm. Out of all of them, which one do you think is under the most pressure from the fans? Everton. You think he, Everton are because of the... just the that goes to ground, mate. How many chairmen go to the ground? Yeah, that's true. I've been <laughs> around for like two months. Yeah, that's a problem, isn't it? <laughs> you know, shit. What happens if everything goes down, mate? What happens to their new stadium? You own something, you can't even go there. Mm -hmm. Shit, that's a problem. So what happens if, if everything goes down? Like, what happens with they're, their new stadium? They haven't been relegated since the 1950s either. What happens with their new stadium? I don't know. Haven't it's they still... got... I thought that was yeah. all... I don't yeah, know how it's far along it's it is. It's done, it be done next year, so it's, it's on its way to being built. So Nice, shiny new stadium to get relegated from the Championship into League One. Yeah. Well, if you keep showing down, you've got a good chance. Yeah, but, you'd back them, wouldn't you, with the money that they got and the money that they'll get from parachute payments and Sean yeah, Dyche. Yeah. And that's, yeah. If, that's if they don't sack him. They've got to stick with him, surely. Got experienced players who've been in that Tarkovsky, O'Neill, uh, Keane, they've all been in the Championship. You'd be stupid to get relegated to the Championship and then sack Sean Dyche, wouldn't you? Yeah. Because yeah. like teams like Cardiff and the rest, all the others who are going to, if they were to part ways with their manager at any point, Sean Dyche is going to be right up high up on their list of managers yeah. and take over. So, yeah, it would be ridiculous. Um Right, let's quickly do our predictions. I nearly forgot. You fall asleep, you? With, with your whiplash. With your whiplash. Um, sorry, mate. Um, just phone slow, man. So, uh, what's the what's the plans for the weekend then, mate? Golfing? Uh, no, Ethan's got a game tomorrow, and then chill. And then Sunday, I've got a game for the All Stars. Cool on. Where's that to? What? Well, where's that to? Leeds. Um, some some charity Rob Burrow, no, the rugby player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah mate. Do you know what? What, what do we do? Yeah, if we win against, um... just give me a minute, mate. Just give me a minute. We'll finish in a minute. We'll talk to me then. Literally, we'll be finished now. Ethan, just two seconds. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you your dad back then. Um, yeah. right, Brighton versus Wolves at Brighton. Uh, two one Brighton. Yeah, I've gone two one Brighton as well. Although Wolves are in good form. Uh, Brentford Forest. I've gone two one Brentford. Brentford Forest. Uh, Brentford one 0 No, three three one. Uh, Fulham versus Manchester City at Fulham. Four one City. I gone. Two one Fulham. Two one Fulham. Yeah. 
two nil. Uh, United at home to Villa. I've gone two uh, nil United. I have just because every time Ten Hag has slipped up, they always come back with a strong two one United. Uh, Newcastle home to Southampton. Three nil. Mm, that's what I've got. And Liverpool versus Spurs. Where at? At Anfield. They found a bit of form suddenly, haven't they, Liverpool? They owe their fans a massive apology. 3-1 Liverpool. Liverpool being a disgrace this year, and they owe their fans an apology. Yeah, Liverpool. I've I've gone 3-1 Liverpool. And I know like people think that I'm just saying it because I don't like Liverpool, but mate, the way they've picked and choosed where they've turned up has been embarrassing this year. But there we go. It's uh, such is life. Um, as always, mate, a pleasure. I hope the uh, up the back and the neck doesn't stiffen up overnight. The next week, back, the lower back. That'll be mm. sweet. We'll have a nice radox bath now after I've hung up my food. That's the way, mate. Um, we'll be back on Thursday, 9 o'clock or next week, isn't it? Because there's yeah. no football on Thursdays now. So, sweet. All right. Nice one, mate. Right, mate. Soon. Nice one to everyone who's tuned in. Laters. Podcast Network.